First Kings chapter 19. We're talking about taking up the mantle. And I want to read three verses, verse 19 to 21. Just find it, please. And I'm reading the New Living Translation. It reads as follows. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing. Somebody say found. Found. Uh, Please say found. Found. You are the somebody I'm talking to and everybody who's watching. Can you say found? Found. So he says he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing. Somebody say plowing. It says, plowing in the field, there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak. Somebody say, threw his cloak. He threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. And Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back. But think about what I have done to you. Wow. So Elijah returned to his oxen, slaughtered them, used the wood from the plow to burn, to build a fire, and to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the town people, and they all ate. Then he went and he followed Elijah and became his assistant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This scripture is an amazing scripture. Because it talks about how God chooses somebody for a special time in history and a mantle is thrown on their lives to be the ones that God uses to change the destiny of a nation and to have a certain impact. I've said the last few weeks, I somehow sense this is a very important historical time I don't know who you are. I may not know your name. But I know as well as I stand here, there are people, not only who are sitting here, but those watching on television and those on social media and in our branches. But this is the time for you to pick up your mantle. Because it's a specific time in history where God wants to bring up some Elishas. And it is that time. A mantle was a very distinctive Hebrew garment made of two pieces of thick woolen material that was sewn together. And it had large sleeves for the arms. And you see different words used for the mantle. Some scriptures use the word cloak. Some say a coat. Some say a robe. But the passing of a mantle symbolized so many things. It could be the passing on of spiritual authority. It could be the passing on of an assignment. It could be the passing on of the anointing. It also could be the passing on or the the enablement of the divine power to fulfill a calling. And as I said last week, and we read it in Ephesians 2.10, that all of us, we are called by God. Each one of us, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. You are not a mistake. You are not a coincidence. You are here by God's design. It's not a mistake that you are alive in 2021. 
It's not a mistake that you are here in this time of COVID-19. You are here by God's design. Can I hear an amen? And therefore your calling is different to everyone else like everyone else's calling is different to you. And so for you to fulfill your calling, your mandate, there are certain realms of authority and power and anointing that you need for your particular calling so that you can accomplish what God has called you to do. You've got to be that person. And I believe, even as I look at you today, that you have come into this world for a time such as this. And so we are introduced to this prophet Elijah. And he was a prophet at a very interesting time. But very interesting about Elijah, he became a prophet at a time when things were really bad in the nation. See, when things are bad, God doesn't retreat and hide. God is there somehow uh, making people or, or grooming people for a time like this one. And God will always call people to assignments. And some of us, maybe we feel our assignments are too difficult. Maybe you may feel like in your family, why am I the one who is carrying this burden? Why is it that everything is heavy for me? But God always knows how to bring people in for a time such as this. Elijah had to be a prophet that not only gave prophecies, but he had to be a prophet who operated in the power of God. Why? Because it was a time when evil reigned. And when evil reigns, words are not enough. When evil reigns, we need power to change the direction of things when evil reigns. Why? Because it's only the power of God that can penetrate the canopy on, of evil and it can turn around the destiny of people. See, when people's lives are in a wrong direction, just nice words and good thinking and nice encouraging things are not going to do it. We need an intervention. We need an interception. We need an injection of the power of God and God will always raise a woman or a man upon whom he's going to put his hand and put his handle to operate in that time. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so it's the power of God that changes things. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 2 when he speaks to the Corinthians. He says, when I came to you preaching the gospel, I didn't come with excellency of speech, declaring the testimony of God. He says, I was with you in fear and in trembling, but my speech and my preaching was not with the excellence of man's wisdom, but my speech and my preaching was in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm looking at men and women upon whom God wants to put his hand upon them. And God wants to use them to change the direction. Maybe of your family. Maybe of your community. Maybe of your nation. In these times, as Philippians 2.15 says, we must live as children of light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Isn't it amazing that God takes you and takes me and puts us right in the middle of where things are dark the most? Because God wants to use you as a channel. Can I hear an amen? God wants to use you as a vessel. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. And so as you operate in your calling, you need to operate in supernatural power. This is why you need to take up 
their mental. This is not just intelligence. This is not knowledge. Knowledge, good as it is, it cannot replace power. You can learn knowledge, but power must be imparted. You can learn about prayer and never pray. You can learn about revival and never be revived. You can learn about worship and never worship. Knowledge by itself is not enough. We need to have an impartation of the power of the Holy Spirit so that as we minister, we can penetrate the canopy of evil and change the direction of things. And it only comes by picking up the mantle. And so that word mantle in the Hebrew is a very interesting Words that are used, several words that are used. Uh, There are words like, when they describe a mental, it's something that's majestic. When this mental comes on you, something majestic comes upon you. That word means something superior to anything else in your life. It speaks of the word glorious, powerful, noble, something notorious. Sample also that gives you ample room to move and be effective. And so when the mental comes upon you, you are able to move, you are able to operate by God's power and God's design. You can move into areas by God's calling that were not working and they can change because of the hand of God upon you. This pattern that we find in the Bible of the mental, it comes by the transference of anointing or authority, sometimes from one leader to another. When you look at Elijah and Elisha, Elisha served Elijah, and through relationship, through mentoring, that mantle was passed on him. It can also be a mantle that passes on from one generation to the other. I believe, and when I've read the Bible, I've really noticed, all families have a certain mandate from God. See, there's a reason why your family is the way it is. Why there are certain dominant features, certain distinctives, as we called them last week, that seem to characterize the family where you come from. And unfortunately, sometimes we get to be families that are of course. Because somewhere there was an interruption of God's mandate on our journey as a family. But God will always raise somebody who it looks like a Josiah, like we spoke about, to bring back that. And so a mental then is that passing on of an assignment from one generation to the other. It can also be the passing on of a mental is the passing on of a legacy. Sometimes in that legacy is the passing on of the leadership baton. Some of you in your families, you are the one who has depended on. You know how things move. How they see you as endow. And man, man, so la, you are up to here because because you feel like a naked chance. Mara, what you are not seeing is that there is this unseen thing on you. You don't know how to describe it. You don't know why. Mara, they know that And so this mental is the passing on sometimes of the leadership baton. And in your family, even if you are young, even if you are the last born, like in the case here, my bishop here, and whom we welcome back. God bless you, my bishop. Give the Lord a hand for mama. <laughs> we were celebrating this morning. I was telling the people that we are thankful she's well. When I said she wasn't well two, three weeks ago, 
two weeks ago, actually, Mama was uh, actually uh, uh, caught the COVID-19. I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want anybody to be startled. But this woman of faith stood on her faith, and yes, she is back here. We welcome you back, Mama. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I must also add, I became the nurse and the doctor. <laughs> anyway, I'd let. But you know, Basalana, even in your family, and she be in the last one, some of you, last one, whatever, you wonder why it is that things seem to fall on your shoulders. And you, you can be tired of it. You see, Marao, understand that there's a mantle on you. I don't know why I'm pointing at you behind here. I don't know why I'm pointing on you. You know, look at your neighbor and say, I don't know why, but there's a mantle on you. Okay, well, nah. It's on your life. It's on your life. It's on your life. The passing on of a leadership baton which lives and thrives and continues to have impact even in the coming generation. A mantle can also be a gift given to a generation. Note this, Bazalana. Aaron gave the garment of priesthood to his sons. Jesus gave the garment to the disciples. Wow. And so we note in our text that Elijah passes on this mantle to Elisha. But here's what's interesting. It's very interesting to note when this happened. Because Elisha was not a guy who at the time was in the school of prophets. Elisha was the most unlikely choice to receive the mantle. When we read the Bible history around this time, there were several schools of prophets. Potential prophets who were being groomed in schools. But when God is looking for the successor of this prophet, he doesn't go to the school. We are told that there were 7,000 other potential candidates. There were also schools of prophets and combined, we are told in these schools of prophets, there were almost 3,600 students. But God doesn't go there. He bypasses all of that. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but when you read the Bible, you know it, Bazalan. When God touches people, it is by his own sovereign will. And that's why some of you, you kind of don't understand why must you be the one. Because when you look at yourself, you disqualify yourself so much because you feel like you are the most unlikely candidate. Nobody tells God who to choose. And God will always choose the most unlikely people. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a mantle on you, you don't even see, Bazalan. Yeah, yeah. And so from the time Elijah, Elisha, Elijah touched Elisha with a mantle until the time he came into full possession of operating in that mantle, it was 10 years. So God will always put you through a journey where he is talking to your heart, staring in your heart, dealing with you in your heart. If you will stay with God, if you will not disconnect, if you will respond to God, if you will be responsive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, time comes when the fullness of what God wants to do through your life will be manifested. I don't know if you are hearing what we are saying here this morning. Hallelujah. So from the time he received the mantle, and from the time he ministered, he ministered thereafter for almost 50 years. He ministered during the reign of different kings and he had a long-term Ministry. Now, here's the very interesting wording that's there in First Kings chapter 19. Number one, it said, Elijah found Elisha. Write it down. Number one, here's point number one. The mantle found him. 
The mantle found him. In other words, Elisha did not seek the mantle. He didn't try to strategically position himself and bump others off. I'm always amazed, Bazalana, even when it comes to churches, how people think that they can just come in, and bump off other people, and that God will just continue using them. Now, Bazalana, we can always do what's right. We can always serve God, but it is God who chooses what he gives to who. And I'm telling you, you can never wrestle the anointing out of God's hand. You can never pray it out of his hand. It's only God who decides. But here's the thing. When the mental finds you, it gives you no option. Ah, you didn't hear what I said. See, some of you you are trying to dismiss yourself from the role you are supposed to play in your family, in your community because of khatet. You feel that you are too young or you are, you are too broke or you are too uneducated or you are always too something. But let me tell you, you are not too anything for God not to think that you are the right candidate. The mantle found him. It found him. It's very interesting because God says, Jesus says in John 15, 16, he says, you didn't choose me. <laughs> but I chose you. And the word choose there is a very interesting word. It's, it's, it's a word that's used in court called the middle voice. I've explained what the middle voice is. Some of you know it. Those of you who don't know Akitalopos. The middle voice is what lawyers do when they argue out a case. If you listen to the way lawyers speak or advocates speak in court, they are very intentional about the words they use. And if they're going to defend you, they coach you and they go through how you must answer. How no, don't use that word. If you use that word, you will what? Incriminate yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> so in other words, they train you to use certain choice words. Right? Certain choice words that will convey things in your favor. Now watch this. When you, don't re when you reject the other words, it doesn't mean the other words are not important. But the rejection of the other words is because the other words cannot serve the purpose. They are not the right words for the moment. When Jesus says, you haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you, Jesus says you are the middle voice. In other words, he's saying, you are the right person at the right time for the right purpose, for the right assignment. You have the right gifts and the right everything. You know, not that other people don't matter, Mara. This assignment in Alilibito Lahao Modi Mayona. Tell your neighbor, I am chosen. So when we are chosen, it's nothing about for us to boast about. See, because the mental, we didn't find it. The mental found us. And we can only be faithful in what God has called us to do. So Elijah found him. And watch what it says. It says, and he threw his mental on him. The word threw there in Hebrew is the word shalak. Shalak. And that word, now I don't know if you, you know, in English we we, we don't have different tenses, but in Hebrew, they have, they have, they have different tenses. Past tense, present tense, and whatever. You know, Marabona, they also have permissive tense and causative tense. A permissive tense, it's, it's, it's a construction of a sentence that shows that what happened was permitted by a person. But the person who permitted it didn't cause it. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? A causative tense tells us that the person who did the action was the cause of the action and the initiator of the action. 
So when it says Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha, it uses a causative tense, which means this. It was Elijah's initiative to throw the mantle on Elisha. Elisha didn't lobby him. Elisha didn't ask him. Elisha didn't do anything. It was the prerogative of Elijah to throw the mantle on you like it is the prerogative of God to throw a certain mantle on your life. And that's what I say. When the mantle comes on your life, the only answer is to say yes. You can't change what God chooses you for. You can't tell God wrong address. You can't tell God I'm too young. You can't tell God I don't have money. You can't tell God I'm too poor. You can't tell God I don't know who my parents are. You can't tell God, look what my neighbor did to me. God is not asking that question. God is the one who says you are the right words for the right moment, for the right season. Am I talking to people in the house? And God says, when I put my mantle on you, the only answer is to say, yes, Lord. When God called me into the ministry in 1979, I was 18 years old. In high school. Remember, we had lost a year at school, so I was only doing grade 12 at 18. And when God called me, on the 4th of September, 1983, 4th of September, sorry, 1979, not 1979, all I could say is, yes, Lord. I'm 18 years old, but yes, Lord. I'm still in high school, but yes, Lord. I don't know where I'm going to start a church, but yes, Lord. I'm full of fear, Mara. Yes, Lord. I don't know how to speak God, Mara. Yes, Lord. I don't think I am. It's the right time. I had other ideas, God. I wanted to go this way. I'm changing the direction. I will go to, I will go to Bible school even if I'm 19 years old. But yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, when the mantle finds you, you say, yes, Lord. Some of you, you have to say, yes, Lord, for the sake of your family. I tell you. I tell you, you have to say yes, Lord, for the sake of your community. You have to say yes, Lord, for the sake of coming generations. Because I've realized the mantle penetrates generations. It has an impact beyond one generation. It, it touches so many other people's lives. Because you said yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will always remember that day. The 4th of July, I said September, I was wrong. 4th of July, 1979. Go and check it. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. I mean, the 8th of July. I'm getting my dates wrong. 8th of July. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm preaching too much. The mantle found Elijah. And it was thrown on him. So in other words, this word through... Is a causative tense that places the emphasis on the fact that Elijah caused the action and not Elijah. Secondly, it says he was found in the field. Watch. God always goes out and finds people in obscurity. 
And this is why oftentimes when God has chosen people, everybody who meets you says, I not when. Because you were never breaking new story. Bonga trendishi. Good tweet. You don't have many likes on your Facebook. You're not known. But God goes for people in obscurity because it's in obscurity where God molds people. Some of you, you may not be expressive people. You may not be eloquent people. You may not even know how to put two words together. Maybe society ostracizes you. Maybe you're not the one chosen in your class to do anything. Mara I don't know why I'm looking this side today. I don't know why I'm looking this side. Mara It's amazing that in 1 Samuel chapter 10, we find that Saul, the first king of Israel, he was found in hiding. When the prophet looked for him, they found him hiding in the equipment. Mamelam, please. God's leaders are hidden among the equipment. You will never think God will find a leader there. You would never think that God would go to the backside of the desert in Midian and find an 80-year-old man. In case you don't know who I'm talking about, Moses. He's hiding among the flock. He's working. He's old. He's in a place that's known, not known. But that's where God goes. God goes and looks for a smelly young man who is among sheep. David. And God gets this smelly young man whom his father had forgotten about. God goes to for obscurity. You would never go to fishermen. If you were Jesus, you would never go to fishermen for them to be your disciples. What about Yenachesu? You would never look for a carpenter. You would never go among carpenters to look for somebody who's going to be the savior of the world. <laughs> you would never go and look for a tent maker by the name of Paul. And he becomes the greatest apostle ever. God looks for people in obscurity. Some of you who are hiding, I'm prophesying. Because God wants the mantle to come upon your life. Number three, it says Elisha was found plowing. Wow. He was working, not waiting for the mantle. And he was not working in the temple. He was working in the farm. He was doing ordinary work. The mental is looking for people who are hard-working people who lived a disciplined lifestyle. So Elijah, Elisha represents a life, a focused life. A life focused on work. Focused on providing for his family. A person who knew how to carry responsibility. It looks like great leaders, people who carry mental, are always people who are called from work. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Daniel was a politician. Peter and John were fishermen. Paul was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter. God calls people from a life of discipline and not from a life of disarray. That's who the mental is looking for. God calls people who are earthly enough to be active in life and not spiritually spaced out. 
God looks for how we handle the mundane, everyday, ordinary thing. Why? Because in handling the mundane, ordinary thing, this is where we, we develop the skill of serving. God is always the God of the plowing fields. Why? Because plowing is tedious work. Plowing needs patience. Plowing is done in the eyes where everybody sees what you are doing. Therefore, you can't cheat. Plowing is not inspirational. You rise early in the morning, you go late to bed. God looks for people who are plowing to drop their mantle on. And in every generation, God will look for someone who is willing to take up the mantle. In the same way we see God having called people at different times. Esther, who came into the kingdom for a time such as this. Could it be that you are that man and you are that woman? Do you have that capacity to do what God has called you to do? So this is what I want to ask you. As you sense God work and move in your life, I ask you to respond. I ask you not to say no. God looks for one person to change the direction of a whole nation. God looks for one person to change the direction of a family. And the assignment is not an easy one. It's a difficult one. It's a tough one. But it's a doable one. Because God puts his hand upon your life. Can I hear an amen? Let me pray for you. Bow your heads right now. Those of you who are watching by way of television, on Facebook, in the church here, those who are live streaming, the first place to start with this mental is to know Christ as Savior and Lord. See, if our life is far removed from God, already we are not in a place where what God has placed in us can be fired up. And as you are listening, right where you are, I want to challenge you. If you are far from God, this is not a time to run away from God. God knew you would be listening to this message. God knew that you would be where you are. I want to call on you today to say, why don't you come back home? Why don't you invite Jesus to come into your heart to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. I want to pray for you. You can call in from wherever. We've got people who counsel on the counseling lines that you see on the screen. You can phone in right now and tell them you want to receive Christ. They can lead you to Christ. But follow me in this prayer. And anybody who's here in the auditorium, in the overflow hall, anywhere you want to raise your hand and say, please, I want to invite Christ in my life. Just raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Jesus is the one who's able to change lives. Everybody follow me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Change me. And make me a child of God. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for coming into my heart. And for making me a child of God. In Jesus name. Amen.
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these, your children, who have received Christ as Savior and Lord. I thank you for touching their lives. I thank you for changing them. I thank you for filling them with your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you all raise your hands? Even those at home, I want to pray for you, for God's mantle upon your life. We raise our hands, God, because we realize it's you who chooses us. It's you who anoints us. It's you who prepares a mantle for us. And even as I pray, let that mantle come upon your children. Stir up their spirits. Stir up their hearts that they may be able to move in your direction. Equip them, O oh God. Strengthen them, O oh God. Anoint them to fulfill what you've called them to fulfill. We give you the praise in Jesus' name.